welcome back to Cinemegan Theaters, week 14. Happy Easter as well um, to those who celebrate. Uh, we just finished watching Grey Gardens, which was directed by, we have a few directors. <laughs> uh, it was directed by David Maisels, Albert Maisels, Ellen Hooft, and Muffy Meyer, and was released in 1975. Uh, just some fun facts about the movie itself, as well as the subjects. Uh, the film follows a uh, mother and daughter, uh, Big Edie and Little Edie. Uh, they go based on they they go by those nicknames because they're both named Edith Beale. Uh, Big Edie was born in 1895 and died in 1977, and Little Edie was born in 1917 and passed away in 2002. Uh, just a another fun fact about. Uh, these two women, uh, they were ex-socialites at the time of this movie's filming and resided at Grey Gardens, which is a residential home in the village of East Hampton, New York, which is out on Long Island and much farther away from West Hampton than I thought it would be because I went to West Hampton this past weekend and thought it would be fun to go and like drive to the house and maybe take a quick photo. Um, you know, from the street or whatever. And then it was another 50 minutes away and I was like, I'll just go home. Um, <laughs> but they, just to kind of give you a background of what level of socialite status they were at one point in time, uh, Big Edie was Jackie Kennedy's aunt. So that makes Little Edie and Jackie Kennedy cousins. Um, and Jackie Kennedy was married to former president John F. Kennedy. Um, yeah, so after the filming of uh, Grey Gardens, uh, two years later, Big Edie did pass away, as I mentioned, in 1977. And Little Edie sold the house in 1979 for $220,000, uh, which would be approximately 17, oh, sorry, uh, $775,000 in 2019. Uh, since then, it's been sold a few times, most recently in 2017, for $15.5 million. <laughs> um, I believe the house is about 20, 28 rooms. Um, and from the movie, it's very evident to tell that the house is very decrepit. <laughs> and that's kind of the main, not, not the purpose of the film, but like the purpose of the filmmaking, like that's what sparked the interest with these directors, uh, was that Suffolk County uh, officials actually went after the Beals to be like, you gotta clean up your house or you need to move because it's not up to code. And for anyone who's familiar with the Hamptons, East Hampton is definitely the bougiest, I would argue, of the Hamptons. Um, it's a very high standards and with holes in the walls, them feeding raccoons, having about 50 feral cats living with them, uh, fleas were everywhere. Um, I, I mean, I, I can understand why there was a health concern <laughs> with this house. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of the background of why, for instance, these directors picked uh, the subject matter. So yeah, it is a documentary, <laughs> this film, uh, specifically the film movement that is mostly associated with of the time is called Direct Cinema. Uh, Direct Cinema was... Uh, documentary film movement that originated uh, it's said like 1958 to 1962 and then um, it was basically 
um, the use with new inventions with smaller technology that allowed for a smaller crew set and so it gave filmmakers the ability to have that fly on the wall aspect of filmmaking um paul monaco he is a film critic he has stated to direct um he has stated um quote direct cinema is the result of two predominant and related factors the desire for a new cinematic realism, and the development of the equipment ne necessary to achieving that desire, end quote. So yeah, kind of going off the fact, or off the facts again, um, you didn't have heavy, heavy cameras anymore to film. They, I mean, there wasn't digital yet, um, so this film was shot on film, it being in the 70s, um, but it wasn't like you didn't need like two people, two or three people to hold the camera or to even set up the cameras. It could be handheld. Um, yeah, so, and then also to kind of go off the fly on the wall aspect of this method of documentary filmmaking, um, it's very obvious um, just from watching the film that it kind of, this movie, like even the, the filmmakers themselves, are almost watching the action as it's occurring and just kind of happen to have a camera on them. Uh, there's an absence of talking heads um, and questions other than, I mean, there were a few questions in this movie that the directors did ask uh, Big and Little Edie, um, but it wasn't necessarily to skew a conversation in one way or another. Most of the time it even was just like... Um, them answering a question too if they spoke uh little edie throughout the film asks the directors a lot of questions um and they just kind of answer because <laughs> she's just having a conversation with them but she's in control of that conversation so yeah um i hate to throw you under the bus but <laughs> I'm, I'm joined with vernon tonight <laughs> um i'm curious if you were able to kind of like see how this documentary might, it's like a little different from like the tradition, like not tradition, I won't use that word traditional, but more popular documentary styles where it's like the talking heads and like leading into different um, acts of that documentary. Yeah. So for me it was interesting because like in the beginning there's the newspaper clippings of uh like you said the story about the house being decrepit and stuff like that so i thought because like I, I went into this not knowing what it was about and i thought that's what the movie was about to be about mm -hmm. and you obviously see it because it's in the house they're filming in the house yeah but this documentary like other than the clippings that this documentary had absolutely nothing to do with the the beginning and mm -hmm. that and usually like with documentaries like it's a very clear um part like purpose and like what they're like what they're feeling like everything has a purpose everything is shot like every interview like talking head or whatever um b-roll is to have a conversation about whatever the documentary is about and this it just felt like it was a fly on the wall with these two women and they 
kind of found like a story just about a mother and daughter mm-hmm. who are somewhat codependent of each other even oh, though extremely was, <laughs> yeah. and the mother is just like very verbally abusive mm-hmm. um and yeah that was just interesting seeing how it was really just kind of like they went there and it's kind of cool that they went there looking for one thing and they just like freestyled it and made this oh yeah because yeah like i said uh earlier too where it's like all that background information about the house kind of sparked um i believe it was david and albert uh, measles interest in going to gray gardens to go film what like why is suffolk county like after these people um but even like they've called uh like big edie and little edie whenever they refer to suffolk county like coming to like to them and being like you need to like fix up your house like they refer to it as like a raid um which might i wasn't there might be extreme um (laughs) to describe it as such but i i don't think the house was ever a concern for them especially like you see it even like little edie's like feeding the raccoons bread and like pouring milk on the floor for the cats and like even big edie's mattress like they they don't care um about material things to such a high extent um yeah, and, and then just going off of that relationship of how they both kind of think this similar. Um, and then also blame each I, I noticed, like, it, it seems like little Edie blames a lot of how, like, her life ended up being because of her mom. Like, even she says, like, the last guy who proposed to her, the mother ran him away. And it's like, well, call him. <laughs> like, like, if that's the case, you know what I mean? Um if she really wanted to get engaged to this guy, she also had a choice to go after him. But I think it's just like that codependency. And then they're also butting heads like 95% of the time. Um, But yeah, I, as I was reading up on this, uh, this film has uh, caused controversy. Uh, since its release, uh, specifically because of the fly on the wall aspect of the filmmaking process, uh, because some people are there, there's a line between exploitation and empathy towards these characters. And so it's been argued that this film focuses more on the exploitation of these two women. Um, I will just give this also background information before they start filming this movie um they got permission from both big and little Edie, and i believe they were also paid like the estate went over like a contract um and they did agree however they did agree to this movie because from what i read was that they were in dire need of money um i don't know how much they were paid to star in this documentary um but that was a question i had because i was curious as to why they would have agreed to it, especially if like the leading angle was going to be about the house, which they obviously like mm-hmm. felt very threatened by the Suffolk County like coming and like raiding in their words. So that that make that makes sense, but also that 
I think them agreeing to it, I think kind of just like, uh, I don't know, the ethics part seems kind of wonky if like they agreed to do it. But also, I think the part that the where ethics should be called in the question is them being paid. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, because I wonder if their relationship got a new strain on it mm-hmm. when with the cameras there because I like throughout the, like, even though it's a documentary, it almost plays out like a, um, a narrative film where the tension just kind of builds up until that last scene. Those last few scenes where little Edie is singing and then Biggie really just like can't handle it. And she just, Oh yeah. Little Edie like breaks down fully. Yeah. Like that's like, what it, I'm, yeah, it's like, almost disturbing to watch like that final scene where I'm like, I feel like I should excuse myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, sorry, did I interrupt you? No, that was, that oh, was okay. Fun. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of like on the fence, I guess. I think I have to take, when I think of like, oh, is it exploitation or is it, does the film have more empathy towards these uh, women? Um, I'm, I think I'm on the fence and I have to go through the film as a whole, not as a whole, but like scene by scene. Because um, also it seems like, okay, that last scene, for instance, um, it wasn't set up to end up that way. Like that was just how the, you know, the tension built up and then little Evie is crying because, um, you know, her mom is just yelling at her for singing, which like, it's not that big of a deal, like, you know. And then saying, like, oh, you suck as a singer. And then, like, that's why this guy wouldn't marry you. And she's like, I wanted to marry him. And then it just, like, builds up just... or It was still organically. and But, like, it was so personal that I, I, it feels weird watching it. Um, but then I'm thinking, like, even, like, when little Edie dances, I don't yeah. feel... Like, I should excuse myself because it, it, the way the film plays out, I, I have a, like a 90%, like, I, I'm pretty sure that she was like, oh, let me dance for you. Because also this, throughout the movie, she's like, low-key, like, rehearsing for that scene. Because she's, she wants to show the cameras how she would dance when she was younger. So, like, that just seems like a genuine, like, yes, I want to share this with the world. But, like, her crying, I, I don't know if she wanted to share that with the world. Um, yeah, did you think of, like, like were there any other scenes kind of like that? Or do you agree or disagree with, like, the dancing scene, for instance? Um, yeah, there's definitely the dancing scene, because she was very literally performing for the camera. Yeah. Like, she came down the stairs all dressed up with the flag and kind of just, like, did her dance number. And and yeah, I, I don't... I think that was also just a little Edie. Like, I know it was a performance, but, like, it was her organically performing. Like, I, you know, she, she volunteered to do it. Um, and I don't know, I... I, I like it, it's not too odd of a scene where where I felt like uncomfortable because I was just like all right she's doing something that she really likes to enjoy <laughs> like it's still kind of a little weird because you have like 
I don't know, like a, a 50 some year old woman just kind of like dancing, waving the flag. Um, so it's like, not what I would be expecting, but also like, I would expect it because it's, it's a movie about her, like, and she's like the star of it. And now that I think about it, the fly on the wall aspect is kind mm -hmm. of interesting because typically when you think of fly on the wall it's kind of just like the like the subjects are just living their everyday lives mm -hmm. and cameras catching it but Edie throughout the entire thing even not just the dancing part but when she was talking to like the guys that were filming it asking mm -hmm. them questions and stuff like that she she felt it felt like she was performing yeah all the way through somewhat even though I think that was genuinely her and how like how she acts, but it but like she was very directly, yeah, she initiated the camera and like yeah, yeah, any yeah that yeah any time the filmmakers talked, it was mostly because Edie initiate or little Edie initiated a conversation with them, mm -hmm. and I, from watching the film as a whole. I can confidently say, like, I believe that's because that was just her as a person being a very, like, almost social butterfly in that aspect. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, because of the social butterfly aspect, she definitely butts heads with her very um, overprotective and introverted mother. And bitter. Oh, not bitter. Well... Bitter towards the father or ex-husband. I think that that had to, I think that they mention the father slash ex-husband as Mr. Beale throughout the entire movie. Um, other than like a few times when Will E.D. says father. Um, and I'm not a socialite, so maybe that's just how people, and also this was 1970, uh, they did get divorced by the 1940s. They were definitely separated by the 1940s. The divorce, I think, was later on in the 40s. Um, so I don't know if that's just how, like, people also just spoke <laughs> and being a socialite and being, like, from, like, 50 years ago. Um, but I, I definitely think that trauma of having a father slash husband figure kind of just walk out for several years and not really giving closure affected both of them in tremendous ways and led to that codependency and kind of not hatred towards men, but like distrust in men, which might have also been why Big Edie, quote unquote, scared away all of the prospect uh, bachelors that came knocking at little Edie's door. I found it interesting that earlier in the film when Big Edie was talking about all the people she had lined up for little Edie. Mm -hmm. It was like and just how mentioned how they were all millionaires. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't understand why that was so and well, I guess it was like financial security and stuff like that, but wasn't she like against it? Or did I miss that? No, she was no. She, she, uh, 
I think it was only one man, the one man that uh, Little Edie wanted that she kind of ran away. Mm-hmm. But early in the film, she 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 like was talking about how she had this one guy. He was a millionaire, but she uh, Little Edie didn't want to marry him. There was another guy, another millionaire. She didn't want to marry him. Another guy, he had even more millions. She didn't want to marry him. Yeah. And... Oh no! Continue. Continue. No, keep moving. No, I was gonna say that is odd because like as their own lives have con- like continued on, like they obviously like. I think they were trying to exclude themselves from that socialite mm-hmm. way of life. Um, I wonder if that was before everything had happened. Oh, it had to be. Well, yeah, Great Gardens, Little Edie moved, um, if I have the timeline correct, Little Edie moved back to like live at Great Gardens like year-round in the 50s. So she was like in her thirty late thirties probably when she moved back to Grey Gardens for like year round. So she would live in Manhattan for the most part as a young adult. But yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by them. I, I watched this movie back in January or February this pa- of this past year. Um, so it's only been like two months <laughs> since I first saw it. Uh, but even watching it the second time, like, it's a lot easier to even like read the plot and like have that tension build up. Um, like just to like notice it more, I guess, because I, I would argue this is a slow burn documentary just because of that fly on the wall aspect of not really propelling the f- the filmmakers themselves not propelling the plot if there is a plot i've seen some documentaries where there's not a plot but yeah well that's it's kind of all the notes i had written down <laughs> for tonight anything else about the film or did you need a little easier in the filmmaking that you have? What? Um, nothing I can think of. I, like you, like I think I would have to watch it again to pick up on everything because it was, like you said, it was a kind of a slow burn mm-hmm. where you kind of you're not sure where this is going, especially like going like uh knowing or at least thinking that it would be about the house mm-hmm. and i think like for me like 20 30 minutes and i was like oh this is just going to be about them because they haven't really touched on the house at all mm-hmm. and i think that kind of disoriented me a little bit because i was waiting for that i thought the rest of this was just kind of giving background on the characters and who they are and why maybe the house was like this but yeah. then but i guess it actually kind of does if they're just like, these two people codependent of each other and don't really seek much help from other people other than a handyman and a gardener. Yeah, I would even argue that the house itself is like a tangible representation of like their broken like status in society. Um, they're not like kind of toxic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, toxic relationship yeah, towards toxic. each other. Um yeah, because the house needs fixing up, and well, I, I, I think one-way these... property relationship. What? I th- hmm. 
Well, actually, yeah, I didn't say two-way toxic. Because I was going to say it's mostly the mother, but I think little the little Edie kind of blaming her mother for uh why she why her life hasn't gone the way she thinks it should have is kind of yeah yeah no they they fully rely on each other and don't take responsibility for their own actions which is the yeah codependency at at its peak unfortunately um i know she passes away two years later but little Edie was talking about moving at the end did she move within those two years or no she, she didn't there? sell the house until 79 and then she moved to florida okay. so she was there up until her mother died pretty much or after i, I believe so okay yeah um <laughs> funny thing too um that i read about little edie selling the house was that the next owners who got it i guess they didn't do a tour of the house um just a heads up for those oh, who are bad. who are going to listen later on for this podcast thingy, um, tour tour the house before you buy it, uh, tour the apartment, test drive the car, you know, like, <laughs> um, but so little Edie told them the house just needs a fresh like coat of paint, <laughs> and they bought it, and they're like, no, <laughs> there's a lot more work that needs to be done, um. But they did it, and now it's worth millions. Um, yeah. So. But yeah, the house was. It, it's a it's a good backdrop, and ends up being that good symbolism. <laughs> we like. <laughs> um, but yeah. So. Anything else or. Oh no, that was <clears throat> that was it for me. It's a very interesting film. Yeah, I'm glad they this they even made a uh, they 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 have spun this documentary into a play, a Broadway musical, another movie uh, starring Drew Barrymore as Little Edie. Um, they even have a spoof episode of it for it's a pilot episode of Documentary Now. Um, yeah, it's. Its legacy has definitely carried on <laughs> throughout the decades, but all right. Well, I guess we'll end it here for tonight. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Vernon. And yeah, I hope you guys have a f- phenomenal uh, rest of the weekend and week. And I will see you next Sunday. Bye.